blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Then at the twelfth verse. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery a byword among the nations, why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, if you'll turn to page 785, 785, our psalm, Psalm 51, the responsive reading. Continues on the next page. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. And make me hear with joy and gladness, let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Deliver me from death, O God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. For you have no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. We'll read about this important part of the Christian faith tonight, as you noticed, the scriptures, the prayers, even the music 
our common theme of us being prepared, of being humble. And God, he requires that in our relationship with him. We are not to be so bold as to think we understand. We are but children. God demands that we come to him humbly and meekly so we can learn from our master. These first six verses of the sixth chapter of Matthew and then at verse 16. So beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not, left your let, uh, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And then at the 16th verse. So whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your face, on your head, and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart will be also. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may grow in grace from these words from our master that we may indeed serve you in humility and love. And know your holy presence in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For almost 34 years I have been having an Ash Wednesday service. It is in preparation of Lent, the season, the holy season that we prepare for Easter. Uh, in that time I've seen churches full and churches almost empty. It seems that our people do not understand the all-important presence God requires of us to be ready for this most holy of Christian seasons. Uh, Lent is such that it is a season that helps us prepare for Easter, the most sacred of days. Easter is what makes us Christian. Without Easter, we are not the faith that we think we are, but Easter is true, and we are preparing for this most holy day. So when Jesus, he's describing these ways of living that are humble and meek, he's not saying these are suggestions. He's saying these are commandments. And he's replacing the Ten Commandments on the mountain with these commandments of serving God. So he, he warns us and he says, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them and you have your, uh, your reward. Uh, your Father in heaven does not see what you do not hide. In other words, he's describing a relationship 
where we are in worship to God. Um, I don't think it's as much as the older days when people would come and they would come in their finery and they would come to be seen. I think now we are dealing with a more authentic faith. I believe the Christian of today is a Christian who has other options, yet they choose to follow Jesus. And it is the Western culture we're in. Uh, some would say we can't be blamed because there's so many other things to do. People want to go here and they want to do this and that and they put other things in front of church. But it's at a point now that it is rare to have family come to church. It's even rarer to have young couples come to church. They have other things they think are more important. And this is a warning Jesus is making that when you live your faith, put it first in the life that you choose to live. He's describing that when you give your alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the street so that they may be praised by others. There is a nature of church that we are called to be in where we help each other. The place we can be hurt the most is church where we open our hearts to others and they can say things or do things that indeed they call into question our integrity or our faith. But the purpose of church is not to beat each other down, it is to lift each other up. And if we find ourselves doing these things of the world, we need to check ourselves because we are not practicing this humility and faith of Jesus. And sisters and brothers, we're all going to die. It is the sad fact of this Ash Wednesday that I come here to share. But it's not death that I am proclaiming or sorrow or sadness. It is life and life eternal. But not everybody is going to make the grade. Not everybody will walk into the kingdom. It is a very sacred trust that we have with God, and only the few will enter into the kingdom. And there will be many who are almost Christians, but they have never given their heart, and their actions speak about their heart. I know you saw the other day somebody robbed a store here in Harney County at Dunn. It was a lady running a beauty shop. It was on the news. And the reason it was on the news is not the burglary and the thievery which happens. The reason it was on the news is that after it got robbed, uh, the person who owned it went out back and they discovered everything that had been taken had been put back into paper bags. And the person left with an apology note on the air condition. <laughs> and so they were so sorry and they got down the road and God convicted them and they brought back what they had taken. It doesn't that give you hope to know that even thieves, when they're clearly away, are called by a higher power to return what does not belong to them? In fact, in the article, the owner of the shop said this must have been a good person. Of course, the law would still consider it thievery, even though it had been returned. But the point is, the effort that was being made shows a heart that is contrite, a heart that is seeking forgiveness, a heart in relationship. We all make mistakes. In fact, we're told to err as human and forgive divine. But that makes humans bad because it means we err, we make mistakes. And I tell you, it is possible to live your life without making these mistakes. 
that every time you see hate, you respond with love. Every time you see hopelessness, you respond with hope. Every time you're called into question, you turn the other cheek. I've done some studying on this turn the other cheek lately, trying to determine what it truly means. I've come to the conclusion it's not for the person who is slapping me. It's not for the person who is persecuting me. I'm not called to be a punching bag. It's really for others to see the truth. For when they witness the second strike and the third strike and the fourth strike, they soon realize the person is committing a sin. The only way we can call to conviction is good, not evil, not retaliation, not revenge, but good. So when we turn the other cheek, we should not look, um, just, uh, so look at the perpetrator. We should look at the congregation. We should look at the community. And we should look at them in such a way that they know the truth and the truth sets them free. Jesus said that even when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners so that they may be seen by others. In the studies they do of this generation that does not go to church, in every survey they do, they determine the main reason people do not go to church is they say there's only hypocrites in the church. That is the attack that they're using against us. So what do we do? Do we go on the defensive? Do we somehow say we are not hypocrites? Do we try to claim it or prove it? No, all we can do is respond as Christ would have us respond by the Christian faith. And we should say to them clearly, you do not understand. For our church raises almost $50,000 a year that we send to a conference that does world mission and helps people. We as a church are involved in mission and ministry around. We're not hypocrites. How many of you have done that? Instead of doing what you do, how many of you have given to God? And I can tell you, you can't outgive God because when you give to God, He returns to you multifold. Every time I've ever seen that happen, it's such a miracle. And Jesus said, Do not store up yourself treasures on earth. That's hard to do because our culture values wealth and power as most important. But the truth is, every time you do good, you gain a star in your crown. Every time you think good, you gain a bigger room in heaven. <laughs> every time you act good, you get closer to Jesus. But every time you do bad, you move away. Sisters and brothers, we in Methodism we believe in a person being saved, but we also teach that a person may fall into a wilderness, and that wilderness is made up of sin, and they find themselves estranged and away from the church. This church has over 650 members, over that, on the rolls. Yet we all know right here, we do not have that many. If they gave, we would know it, our budget would go up astronomically. They do not come, and some of them have not darkened the doors of this church for years. 
And why is that the case? Well, some have moved away and others, they have issues with people that are currently attending and others just kind of fell away and others were not really committed members and we find ourselves living in an illusion instead of the truth. You are Spring Hill. You are the members of this church. It is to you the responsibility falls. We could find every excuse in the world. But I can tell you this, just having their names on that roll does not get them into heaven. And do not pretend it does. All because they may have a cemetery plot at a holy church does not mean they're entering through the gates. For the almost a Christian will not enter into the gate. You see how this season prepares us for the cross. Because if we cannot understand the sin we commit, how can we ever understand the cross that he bore? If we cannot see the sorrow that we are causing God every time we do wrong, how can we ever understand the weight that he carried for us? We need to confess more of our sins. And we need to know that God is working in our lives to forgive us. He wants us to be forgiven, to be redeemed. And that's what he's saying here about our treasure, storing it in heaven. Store up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust. See, that's an organic moth, a living creature in rust, which is inorganic, where it consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart also. God has given us a great opportunity in this season that we prepare. When we do the ashes, a few years ago we did ashes on Ash Wednesday and we didn't use the oil. And I tell you, the ashes don't come off without the oil. You need the oil on the ashes. And tonight we're going to have some baby oil that Miss Charlene has provided in the ashes will go upon our head, and you can wipe them off. Some people like to go to town and go to a restaurant with the mark on their head. How many like to do that? Because you want other people to see it. It's a sign of being a Christian. It's a sign of being one who is committed to follow the Lenten season. Now, some, they give up certain items for Lent. Some give up chocolates. I don't know if anybody here is going to dare to do that. And others give up sweets. I don't know if anybody here wants to give up sweets. I can tell you I'm not giving up butter beans. I've already made up my mind. Or chicken. I may give up oysters, but I'll still be here looking at Sam because of the oyster roast that's coming up. But whatever it is that God has pressed upon you to let go of, do not fear letting go of it. Let go of it and let God lift you up. It could be a bad word. We have an epidemic of bad language. It's terrible. Children say words that I know they get from their parents. And their parents say words because they get them from peers. I told Leona I was going to bring bar of soap to church. And she said, what, to wash our hands? And I said, no, to wash our mouths. So why is it we've started to speak with such crassness and hardness? Why do we condemn before we forgive? Why do we turn away instead of turn towards what God has called us to do? 
He's calling us in a special way. Now understand the intent has a lot to do with it. And if your intent is to collect and report, destroy, you are not following Jesus. If you think somehow you're going to measure another person, look at the mirror yourself and realize we're not that close to the end. And I would not play with your souls over such minor things. It is the truth I speak. For I will not be with you after a season. But there will be another. And do not pretend to love when your heart does not have it. Find love and be loved because the days are growing short. We have been warned. America is about to have a pandemic. States are now preparing. It's sweeping through Italy. It's sweeping through South Korea. It's already swept through major parts of China that's dropped the stock market by a thousand points in a single day. I pray we are protected from this terrible thing. I'm not being dramatic. Who the World Health Organization is about to announce this fact. And we'll be wearing masks by Christmas. We may even have to look at our passing the peace, which we're going to do tonight, and our being together. But I can tell you right now, Nothing will stop me from embracing you as a brother and a sister in Christ. I will not live in fear of something of this world. And if God see fit to take me or you, we've just gone to the kingdom sooner. But I tell you, that is not what we should fear. There are things much more we should fear. Hypocrisy, lying, false witness, stealing, Thievery, murder, hatred, and selfishness is no excuse. Let God love you and take you. Do not store up yourself treasures on earth because just impressing the person down the street will not save your soul. Only impressing Jesus the Christ. We're told that even the priests, the ones that are called to a higher calling, we're told in the scripture that we are to reach out and to offer this word of warning, not in a word of fear, but in a word of faith. Look at the good that God is doing in our lives. Some of you, in fact, have overcome cancer. Some of you are battling cancer even now. Some of you are battling heart disease. Others have gone through valleys of loss and sorrow, and here we are together. It is not so dark. I see light. I see hope. Oh, I know we're about to go through schism in May in our church. I know our denomination is about to choose a path that will be hard to understand. I'm troubled like you are. I am the son of a Methodist pastor. It troubles me that we have lost sight of Christ and his salvation. 
But I tell you one thing, no matter what, I may not know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds me in the palm of his hand. And he holds you. And he's seen us through a lot. And he's going to see us through a lot more before he comes again. Devil, leave this place. We do not want you here anymore. You've caused too much havoc, too much pain, too much sorrow. Leave this place. Do not tempt us anymore. Leave this place. Let us be the children of God. Leave this place. Devil, leave this place. You have nothing you can do to us. Your words are lies. They are not true. Leave this place. Leave our children alone. Leave them alone. Leave this place. I invite you now for the observance of Lenten discipline. Let's give thanksgiving over the ashes. <clears throat> 